hope, aspiration, connection, belonging, culture. These are the stories we tell. Join me as I speak to storytellers from across the world and hear about what inspires them to create the reality they want to live in. I spoke today to Roger 9000, musician, Bitcoiner, and the creator of cacao ceremonies and chocolate-making workshops at Bitcoin conferences. He shared his journey in becoming a Bitcoiner and how he channels that into his music. He also shared a fairly shocking story with me about an incident uh, in November of this year when he was returning from adopting Bitcoin in El Salvador back to the States. So you'd want to listen to that one. Quick reminder, my book, 24, the first book of fiction on Bitcoin, is now available for purchase on Amazon. If you're listening to this in a podcast, you'll find the link in the show notes. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll find it in the video description. Welcome hey, to the hey. stories we tell. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, great, Avi. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on, man. Yeah. yeah. The, the stories are what it's all about, brother. <laughs> yeah, and you you got some stories to tell. I can uh, from our uh, prior conversations this year. <laughs> I I certainly, certainly know that. So why don't we start with the story of nine thousand? What what's that all about? Yeah, well, um, nine nine um, is my lucky number, and I was I was um, I was told this by my late stepmother, who was a numerologist, actually. Um, even though we we didn't quite recognize her talents at the time so we we were quite dismissive actually which is a shame but she would often say you know nine is your number and um you can see it throughout you know your your history like and and funnily enough you know i i started looking at all these things in my past like you know my addresses i lived at or um you know, significant things that would happen in my life. And they were all around the number nine. And it, it's really true. It's in my birth date. It's in my, um, yeah, it's in, it's in many things in my life. So nine is my lucky number. And at the time, Bitcoin was sort of just trying to break 9,000. So mm. I kind of thought, yeah, you know, I, 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 I kind of, had always had this infatuation with Stanley Kubrick as well. And um, I don't know if you know the computer, HAL 9000. Um, and I, I originally thought HAL 9000 would be an amazing name, actually. And who knows, I might actually change my name one day to HAL 9000 in, in, in respect of HAL and in respect of 9000. So, yeah, there's a lot of... And the more I look into it, you know, the more numerology I see... In Bitcoin, um, the three six nine thing is is always coming around, and Tesla and all that stuff. So numbers are very much a part of Bitcoin. They're very much a part of our universe, and they've they've probably always been here, a bit like Bitcoin as well. So, yeah, yeah, the number nine. Um, it's a, it's it it encompasses all the numbers as well. I don't know. Um, we you have to speak to a lady called Ox Ox Power. Her name is, and she's a numerologist as well. And she actually told me it's no coincidence that you chose nine thousand. My my real name is Roger, but the nine thousand is yeah an additional. <laughs> you can probably guess, but yeah yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons for number for nine thousand, and and even the three zeros and um, and the, the the actual number of letters Roger nine thousand actually makes up nine nine uh, nine symbols, I guess you could say. So there's 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 a lot of reasons for for the number nine. Yeah. <laughs> That's great, man. Uh, so, so Roger, for the, some of the folks who might not know you, right? I mean, I know you as a musician who plays at a lot of Bitcoin concerts. 
but obviously there's a lot more to Roger 9000 than just that. So what, what's your story, man? How did you, how, mm. how, how is it that I bump into you all over the world? I, you name the place and you're there with your, whatever that instrument is that you play. And, we want to, and I want to talk to you about that. And you're, you're just jamming it up sure. and everyone's having a great time. The kids love you. They're grooving. And uh, it's, but how is it that you, you, you've ended up in that situation? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I speak to a lot of Bitcoiners about how they end up where they are. And, um, I keep coming back to this place of um, I've always been on this trajectory. And I think a lot of Bitcoiners would agree that they've always been on this trajectory in, in search of Bitcoin in some way. And, um, and so realistically, all I can say is um, I've, I've known that I've been searching for something all my life and when I recognized it was Bitcoin, it just, it made perfect sense. So, you know, for the whole history of my life that I can think of, I've always been a bit of an outsider, I've always been a bit sort of running against the, the current, a bit weird, a bit, you know, well, this guy doesn't really know what he's about, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and I think, yeah, as Bitcoiners, I think all of us have this kind of feeling. It's, it's this weird, um, yeah, not quite fitting in kind of feeling. And so, yeah, that, 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 I guess that led me to music because I thought, well, if I don't really fit in anywhere, then maybe I'll just create my own space and try to, and well, and then I don't have to try to fit in, you know, because I'll be, I'll be creating my um, my story as I go, so to speak. And so music became, yeah, a real place for me to um, discover myself. And I think um, we can talk about this later as well. I think Bitcoin is about a facilitator that enables you to discover yourself. And really... Um, Really, that was that. That's been the main journey, trying to discover myself as well. And um, yeah, like there's um, there's no real rhyme or reason that 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 I've ended up where I am. But apart from the fact that I'm trying to um, yeah, trying to be as truthful and as authentic about myself as possible and uh and that's what that's what i think you know bitcoin bitcoin helped me to do music initially but then eventually bitcoin so yeah that's what led me to bitcoin really just trying to find myself um yeah <laughs> it's so uh, it's funny you say that roger i mean i'm and i'm sure you've heard there's some other bitcoiners as well like we were we were all a bunch of misfits, right? We never fit in, in into this fiat world. And then somehow, magically, at this time, in this place, we all found each other, right? And created this magical mm -hmm. community. Uh, but uh, just going, going back to the music, were you yes. ever classically trained uh, in any instrument? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, I started sort of playing guitar initially, and um, that was really um, my um, connection to creating music as well. Cause I, I sort of, well, yeah, I started to write songs on a guitar and then realized I couldn't sing them. And th that was the, that was the really big leaping off for me because it was all about, well, how do I, um, how do I bring these songs to life? And, and it was all about singing a melody to, to what I was playing. And, um, and I realized I couldn't sing, or at least people told me I couldn't sing, but I, I was doing something weird and it wasn't really working. So I started to join choirs and, um, started to, um, join bands and bit by bit, I, I mean, I, I, I realized I had to take 
music seriously because it was what was allowing me to be at least somewhat myself or at least express myself properly so I um yeah I started taking singing lessons and that was really the the jumping off point because then I realized oh man I actually need to know more about music uh and then and yeah and then I just took it seriously I I auditioned for some music schools and eventually um found a really good singing teacher he enabled me to audition for uh, the conservatorium of music and then I I studied um so I got in the conservatorium I studied um a bit of opera in and baroque opera and early opera and so I had already started playing piano as well so I, I got some grades under my belt um and yeah I I just took music really seriously from that point on and I think it's um it's been my life really for at least sort of 20 years now really just focusing on being as yeah as professional about music as I can it's it's really hard though because I've never uh I've never really um well up until Bitcoin I never really found what I was doing music for as having real importance and then music really for uh, Bitcoin really informed all of my music playing. So I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like without Bitcoin, I don't know if I would still be as serious about music. So, um, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I could talk about this stuff for hours. Avi. I, I, I mean, um, music, is uh it's an ever-growing thing though for me just like bitcoin really when was the first yeah. uh bitcoin conference you played at um well technically i showed up at um miami 2021 and i I'd, I'd already been busking quite a bit in london so I thought, well, I'm just, you know, I don't know anyone at Bitcoin 2021. So I'm just going to turn up with my gear and busk. And, uh, <laughs> and that's what I did. And I, I, I started busking outside. Um, uh, it was sort of, um, I don't know if you remember, did you, did you go to Bitcoin 2021? No, I, that was no. It I was, did, that that was one I missed. It was it was um it was really big actually considering it was the sort of in the the well I wouldn't say the height of the pandemic it was definitely the one where Bitcoiners were like you know what fuck this let's just go to a conference we don't care about COVID anymore and it was really exciting for me because I just thought man I've just got to do this. Um, so yeah, I'd already been busking for a little while. So I had a bit of a, a portable rig that I could just set up anywhere. Um, and that was through actually through the pandemic. Cause I was like, well, I can't play because all the venues are shut down and none of my band members actually wanted to play with me anyway. Cause they all believed in COVID, which yeah, is another story. Um, <laughs> um so i set up a busking rig which became really portable for getting on a plane actually and i could just yeah take my whole band with me so that was technically the first the first bitcoin conference i played at was um miami 2021 where i busked outside the conference which was loads of fun i I ended up playing for like four hours or five hours or something and I got heat stroke, which really wasn't smart because it was like, you know, a hundred degrees or something. It was just crazy. Um, so yeah, busking's fun, but you just got to be a little bit aware of the elements. <laughs> 
So after yeah. that, you became a regular uh, at at these. I don't remember seeing you at twenty Miami twenty twenty two. Were you there? No, no, I didn't. No, no, I really wanted to go to that, but um, yeah, I can't remember why I couldn't go. Um, I can't actually remember why I couldn't go. There's a reason I could. I, I just, I just didn't either have the funds or I just couldn't do it. I've forgotten now. Um, but yeah, I did really want to go to that. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned. Yeah, no, go ahead, Roger. I, I don't think I went to 2023 either, actually. Yeah, I've missed out on the Miami ones, yeah. Mm. Hopefully Nashville, uh, 2024. That's oh, in Nashville, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Speaking about your busking gear, that is a really cool instrument, right? That, that It looks like a guitar, but it's, I, it's like a sawn-off guitar. What, what is that? Yeah. So it's a MIDI guitar, technically a MIDI guitar. Um, it's a, um, it's what's called a, it's, it's what's called an instrument one. That's the, the model. And it's by a company called Artifon and they're actually based in Nashville. Um, and initially it was a Kickstarter project. So I, I bought one of like 400 at the time and then it, it launched. So it's, it's an instrument anyone can buy now. Um, and it's basically a MIDI guitar. It, 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 it's just like a guitar. Um, only you, um, are playing plastic frets instead of steel strings and steel frets. It's all plastic, but it's incredibly sensitive. And um, and I actually find it a lot easier, I guess, because uh, I get it's smaller, it's lighter. It's it's just a way more. Obviously, I can travel with it. I can you know pack it in my suitcase, and it's it's a very practical instrument. Um, and it's perfectly in tune all the time, you know, just like I can transpose with it. I can, uh, I can, I can change it to any sound I want as well. So I can play the bass with it. I can play the, you know, the triangle, or the, the drums or whatever. So it's really practical for what I want to do. And being essentially a one man band, I, I, I feel like I have the whole band at my fingertips when I can play an instrument like that. Um, and it just enables me to bounce around the stage. I, I, I find it really uh, limiting holding. I used to play a bass and I don't know if you've ever played basses, but some of them are heavy motherfuckers. I mean, they're just, you know, what Flea used to do bouncing around, um, you know, that just must have been exhausting every night. Um, I, I kind of, I like to play multiple instruments. And so in a way I can play multiple instruments and bounce around on stage. So it, it's, it's very practical, that instrument. Yeah. I've got to find no, that, a, um, oh, sorry. No, it's, uh, I was going to say it's, uh, it seems like you're having a lot of fun on stage when you're playing that. Now you said it's a MIDI guitar, but Obviously, there's some kind of renderer that you plug into that actually, that actually renders the sound as non-MIDI, right? Because I've, I've heard, you know, it sounds like an electric guitar when you want it to sound like one. You can apply different, different patches to it, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, MIDI is just a signal, right? So a MIDI note can be transformed in, into any kind of sound you want it to be. Um, and, um, that's, that's what's, you know, I mean, MIDI is, is taken over so many, so many things of our life, actually. Um, uh, so what MIDI is, is just literally just a signal anyway. So yeah, I can change any sound I like. No, that's great. So, Roger, let's go to uh, 
topic that you mentioned briefly, which is uh, Bitcoin so, sort of allows us, uh, allowed you certainly to find your purpose, right? It, and and make your music mean something to you. Uh, certainly, in, it, it's true in many of our cases, obviously not with music for me, but just in terms of the purpose I have with life. But how? what was that journey like? When did, when did you, when did that aha moment happen mm. for you? Um, it's a, um, it's a difficult one to map because I think as a musician, I was always looking to express an, an authentic thought or, a, or a real, I think that's what artists, or I think that's what, you know, if we get back to this concept of. Like, I think we're all creators, but I think artists tend to make their life about creation rather like, or about specific expressional creation. And, um, and so I was always trying to express something authentic about myself or about the world that, that I, I could, I don't know, bring bring that I could manifest in some way and um I I looked around and I I like it's not like people weren't doing that anymore but I did feel in the music industry anyway that people had uh started to lose uh they started to express for expression's sake I mean, I think that's what a lot of artists tend to find they're doing is, is, and I'd say it's because they're, they're just having a lot of influences that they think, well, I just need to follow that, you know, because if I follow what someone does, well, then they've, they've already done it in a way that's generated attention for them. So I'll, I'll just copy what they do. And a lot of artists tend to just follow other artists, right? Like in terms of how they're expressing themselves. And I, I felt like there's a lot of artists doing that, but then there's a lot of artists who just create for creation's sake, rather than having actually something ex expressive that they really want to say about the world. And I think it's a lot of that's to do with not not understanding the way the world works as well because you know i think as bitcoiners we we see really deeply into the world we see how the world is working and why the problems are the way they are a lot of artists they're a bit clueless as to how i don't want to be sort of judgmental or, or think that i know what's really going on but i remember being there i remember being there as an artist and thinking that oh yeah you had to take a side or you had to understand politics or you have to understand the environment all of that kind of stuff and i think as bitcoin is we kind of know that there's a deeper problem here and it, it's it's the money right and that's what creates so many of these problems um so um what was your question again man sorry like how did i come to a place of expressing myself through bitcoin oh as a musician expressing Bitcoin, you mean? Yeah. Um, so it was a really long journey, man. I have to say it wasn't, it, it, you know, and initially I thought, ah, fuck, Bitcoin is way too big to try to compress into something like a song or, you know, and I, I still think it's, it's completely unknowable and it's completely, um, it, it's, it's, it's completely mysterious and that's the beauty of Bitcoin. And I don't think we should ever try to be definitive about Bitcoin or try to express, you know, or say, I oh, know that is the perfect definition of Bitcoin because there never will be a perfect definition. There will never, you know, everyone's interpretation is valid and it, it is what it is for people. So that's the beauty. And that's why I think, people should express themselves about it as much as they can. 
but um, every expression is going to be valid and it's going to be um, just as important to somebody uh, as any other expression, right? So um, it, I guess the way I came to it was just being was just falling in love with Bitcoin firstly, right? Like falling in love with the concept of what Bitcoin was and then realizing, well, the only thing that I feel like I can do um, happened to be music. And so how do I express Bitcoin through music? And Initially, I thought it was impossible. I really did. I, 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 and I can imagine a lot of artists or a lot of musicians who sort of think, how am I going to talk about this fucking protocol? Like, because they think of Bitcoin as a protocol or they think of Bitcoin as a specific thing. Oh, well, it's, it's just money or it's just, you know, a mining rig or it's just this or it's just that. I think, though, when you when bitcoin opens up to you and you see that actually bitcoin is whatever the fuck you want it to be and it, it quite literally is whatever the hell you want it to be um then i guess you can express it in so many different ways and yeah i think bitcoin artists really are still developing and still like there's just so much and I don't know. I mean, some people say, oh, yeah, Bitcoin would just disappear, just like the Internet just disappeared and we don't we don't consider it anymore. I, I really think it's going to be quite the opposite of that, I, 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 I think. But who knows? I mean, we just don't know. Right. But um, it feels to me like Bitcoin is going to actually transform humanity. It's It's not like, yeah, the Internet enables humanity to communicate in a special way but i think bitcoin actually i don't think the internet is quite as good at you know as as being a transformation of the self bitcoin is i think literally the transformational stuff that enables you to be yourself and that is that's that magic you know that um i don't think the bitcoin uh, i don't think that the internet could ever create that kind of magic the way Bitcoin will. But, you know, it's, um, it's just an interpretation, I guess. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a beautiful one, Roger. I, look, it, and when people say Bitcoin will disappear in the same way that the internet disappeared, right? Meaning it's just so all pervasive that it's, your life doesn't touch you. I think that's a good thing, right? Meaning, if Bitcoin disappears in that sense, it's because it's become all pervasive, right? And and we know this in our lives, it is all pervasive, but it sort of consumes our lives. I guess we think about it all the time. But uh, but yeah, if, I mean, if it becomes this omnipotent or omnipresent, I should say, uh, medium, mm. uh, then I, I think that's a good thing. Sure, sure, sure. And and you know how it how it. Um... How it unfolds is is completely unknowable. But and maybe maybe it is just about um, understanding. I, I still believe it's just about getting to an understanding of yourself. And and Bitcoin, it really provides a medium for understanding yourself, uh, or at least I don't know. It, it makes perfect sense to me that that's what it's about. But I guess everyone will have their own, yeah, their own journey with Bitcoin. So can be completely different for other people. Yeah. So, Roger, one of the other things you do, which is fantastic at these conferences, is you do the chocolate making uh, workshops mm -hmm. and the cacao ceremonies. Um, and the mm -hmm. kids definitely love that. Uh, it's, you're a hit with the kids, not just for your music, but for, for the chocolate as well. Uh, what, what's the story behind, well, I, I guess, is it a different story behind the cacao ceremonies and the chocolate making workshops, mm -hmm. but what, is, what are those stories? Well, the, um, 
The chocolate making workshop stemmed from um, my sort of my 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 ex girlfriend, her family in the UK used to do these Easter egg hunts, and um, and we always used to have fun. You know, I I loved hiding Easter eggs and. Um, as I used to hide them up trees, I used to hide, we used to make these big maps and people could sort of, um, you know, go on these big sort of orienteering um, adventures to find the eggs, right? Um, so we, um, yeah, we were doing these Easter egg hunts. And then as this is going on, I'm, I'm starting to uh, learn more and more about my health and uh, of course, I'd already been on this health journey before Bitcoin, but I think um, that's the other great thing about Bitcoin. It, it holds a mirror up to society in other ways. And you just, you start to think about all of these other aspects and go down all these other uh, rabbit holes. And the health is definitely one of them. And, uh, and I realized actually um, fairly late in the journey, how healthy um, cacao was and how healthy chocolate is and how it had been completely ruined by sugar and how sugar is the fiat to chocolate the way fiat is the, yeah, well, uh, sugar is the destroyer of chocolate the way fiat is the destroyer of our money. So it became really important, I thought, to understand what this cacao was. And when I started to realize the health benefits, the, um, the, the beauty, uh, I mean, literally the beauty of the balancing of cacao. And I'm, I'm thinking of writing a book, actually, the beauty of um, the, the beautiful balance of Bitcoin. But I think it's going to, yeah, the beautiful balance of Bitcoin and cacao. That's, that's a presentation I gave in El Salvador. But um, I think the beautiful balance of cacao is that it, um, it harmonizes human, humans and nature in a very specific way. But we can talk about that a bit. I, 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 just to give you an idea of um, where I came from with the chocolate, it, it, it was basically a balancing thing for the for the soul and for the body. And then I realized actually there's a spiritual dimension to all this as well, which um, is another balancing, another um, identity seeking or identity forming aspect. You know, I, the, the chocolate making workshop is kind of a creative thing where you pour yourself into your creation. Um, and the cacao ceremony is, it's like the practicing of the manifesting of your intention. So it's a kind of like a, a realization of your intention. The cacao itself is literally the medicine for the activation of that intention. So it's, it's actually, I know a lot of people come to the concept of um, chocolate making or cacao ceremonies and they kind of think, well, firstly, how the, how the hell does that have anything to do with Bitcoin? But secondly, uh, it sounds too woo-woo and too spiritual and, you know, but in a way that was what influenced me to think, well, actually, Bitcoiners really need to know about this stuff because it's actually all about what what that transformational process of Bitcoin is all about. It's, it's the recognizing of your true, your, the recognizing of your truth or your authentic self is what Bitcoin is really about. And, and that's the process of the caca ceremony and the, the chocolate making workshop, I think is even more, it's, it's fun. And I think, there's an element to it that makes it a bit more open for everyone. I, I've often thought that, yeah, that Bitcoin is a little bit too, you know, it's dominated by tech and by, 
you know, intellect and all this stuff. And making chocolate is just kind of fun, you know, whether you're a kid or a male or a female, old or young, you can kind of get into just making chocolate, you know. So I kind of thought it was it was quite an inclusive thing, whereas, well, I've heard beefsteaks can be a little bit, well, anyway, I don't know what you know about beefsteaks, but I, don't, I would hesitate. I would be hesitant to say they're as is inclusive somehow. But anyway, I think I think they're great. I, I've never been to one actually, so I, I, I really don't know. But yeah, have you been to one actually? I, I have. No, I, I will say cacao, cacao ceremonies are definitely more all-encompassing. They're for all ages. Right. Right. I mean, look, I, 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 I still haven't been to one, but I know that they're quite specific. So I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to going to one. Um, have you been to a caca ceremony, actually? You know, there's a funny story here, Roger, with, when uh, at Bitblock Boom this year. Yep. Right. Uh, yep. I'm standing outside with, with some friends. It's It's late at night outside the hotel where the... The Hilton, right, where uh, in Austin, where Bitblock Boom was held this year. I know they're moving to Dallas next year, but uh, someone comes up and says, "Hey, Roger's doing a cacao ceremony in his hotel room. You guys want to come?" I said, "Hey, hell, hell yeah, let's go!" So we go up. It's probably around one a.m. at night. We get the room number. We knock on the door. We wait. Nothing happens. We knock again. Nothing happens <laughs> for about 15 minutes of this. Is said, that's it. Let's just go back and finish our drinks. Roger's not doing a cacao ceremony, but I, presumably you were so engrossed in it that you didn't hear us outside. So I can't remember what the room number was. Is it 1225? I can't remember. Anyway, um, Look, man, I, 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 yeah, I, I did hear about some, I did hear about that people came and, and no one answered the door. Yeah. So it's very possible, man. I, I don't know. So, so there was a bit of a misunderstanding there because I never actually did a cacao ceremony at Bit Block Boom. Um, mm. I only started doing them in Charlotte, actually. So I was always doing, chocolate making workshops which some people interpreted to be cacao ceremonies um they're kind of like a similar thing i think but they're actually kind of different and you know a proper cacao ceremony can be like like the ones we were going to do in el salvador for example like they would be full day retreats where you come and you relax and you get a massage you you do meditation you really try to set your intention. You, you even create the cacao yourself. You know, you do some chanting, you, um, I believe, you know, you place your intention into the cacao and then the cacao truly becomes the medicine for that intention. You know, then you, you meditate more, you consume the cacao and then you really, you manifest the cacao in yourself like you truly dance or you sing or you you know you play an instrument whatever to bring about the realization of that intention and a cacao ceremony is well firstly it's it's a more interactive thing with others so it's a musical thing or it's a an expressive thing i, I like to get people to talk and that's why I think this is going to be great for Bitcoiners and, you know, Bitcoiners in their realizing of their dreams, really, because that's what that's what I think Bitcoin is. It's the realization of a dream that we all share collectively. And um, and the cacao ceremony is it's the manifesting of that dream. It's 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 like a collective. Yeah a collective journey of a, of a dream that we all have. And the more we go on that journey, I think the more we realize what Bitcoin is here for, and we realize what it means to us and we realize how it's going to, you know, improve the world. So, and it, 
ultimately it's just about improving ourselves. I, I think that's really, you were talking about um, being um, instructors or being teachers for other people. I remember in, in, uh, in LA, we were talking about um, how, I think you were talking to me and Shooter and you were saying, you know, you guys should really be, you know, um, I've forgotten the, what the words you were using now. But, I um, said, Raj, I, what I said, and this is based on what I've noticed for, in both of you is uh, both of you are natural mentors, especially for, for you know, younger kids, right? Young adults and, 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 and children. And you can see that from um, from the way children react to both you shoot and there are some other folks in the bitcoin world as well right who have this natural uh tendency to uh, or inclination to be mentors and if and one of the things that struck me is if you'd been part of the fiat system and joined you know a, a an institution of education where you you said well you know what i want to take my mentorship to the next level that would have been completely beaten out of you Right, it would, you'd have been drained of any enthusiasm because you would have had to fit into some bureaucratic structure, follow a very rigid set of procedures, and any natural proclivity you have to bringing out the best in kids, right, making them you know become the better versions of themselves, that would have been completely removed from you. So, but we have an opportunity as Bitcoiners to to inculcate that in our children, right, and folks like. You shooter, there's General Kenobi, uh, he, he, who's also a natural mentor, a young guy, a Spanish Bitcoiner, mm. and you know, there, and there's so many other examples like this. And we have an opportunity to, uh, to you know, expose our kids to th that type of mentorship, like a, this constructive outside mm. of this traditional education system. But, but yeah, I was a long-winded mm. answer, Roger, mm. but that's what I told you guys in LA. Yeah, it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful because being um, instructive is, is it is actually just being yourself, really. But um, but when you are truly yourself, you become inspirational for others. And and if people resonate with that, and they sort of think, "Wow, yeah, that guy's that guy's really doing it." Because see, the only reason I do it is because I've been inspired by somebody else who's done it. Um, and so it is just passing the baton really. Um, but it's not like you're aware of it. Like I, like, I don't think the guys, the guys who I was really inspired by, um, who I've been really inspired by, um, they, they wouldn't know what they, well, well, some of them would because they were literally my teachers. But um, but others, um, yeah, they wouldn't. They don't even know me, right? So, but yeah, being being somebody real in somebody else's life—that that that's a pretty damn cool thing. I I did some teaching in London. Um, I taught some piano and guitar and voice and stuff, and it was pretty cool. It it, it really was pretty cool. But I, I think what you're what you're talking about is actually, um, yeah, how to how to be. Well, I mean, a teacher really is a mentor, firstly, really. Anyway, but um, were you, were you thinking of actually organizing a mentorship sort of organization, or how did you see it? So as a, as we're most likely entering a new bull run. Right, and a lot of uh, mm. us who've been painstakingly uh, licking our wounds uh, <laughs> over the last few years and building <laughs> up for for this moment and and potentially what lies ahead the next few years, I have a feeling that uh, there will be a lot more travel and world schooling happening as a result of this. Mm. Um, so, and you know, a lot, a lot of us will be in a position to completely break out of this. Right and say, yeah, this is this school system is not for our kids. We want to travel and be around like-minded people. Um, so mm -hmm. I think it becomes, while it's good to be largely unstructured from a kid's standpoint, in in my opinion, right? So that you know, free learning, if you will, 
it's also really helpful if they can have figures that they look up to and they respect who can give them guidance on, you know, just even if it's just basic life stuff or or it could also be specific subjects. In your case, it could be music, right? For a uh, shooter could be about filmmaking or, but also, but it doesn't just have to be that narrow. It can be just broader uh, life uh, lessons. And you guys certainly have that uh, capability to do that, the talent to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, I'm thinking of um, putting on a bush bash here, here at my dad's place. Um, and by the way, my, my dad is um, as sort of anti-Bitcoin as you could probably get. <laughs> it's weird, weird way, man. It's, um, he, is, he is like, he's, he's a libertarian, he's anti-state, he's anti-tax, he's, he's about as Bitcoiner as you could get in one way. And then he doesn't understand because he thinks there's no such thing possible as Bitcoin. Like he would never trust Bitcoin because he just doesn't trust that there isn't somebody behind it. He believes that it's all just a Ponzi scheme. It's all just there to, you know, it's just one big cult thing. And anyway, um, so he feels he's very much a maverick in that way that he runs his own show but being a part of something like Bitcoin, he would just feel like he's part of some gigantic cult, which is a shame. But anyway, he's very accepting. And I, I don't know if you've heard of bush bashes, but they, um, they're literally just Australian gatherings of, of Bitcoiners, right? Um, you know, they're free and they're, they're very um, open and very loosely structured. And so anyway, I've, I've, managed to get my dad to agree to us having a gathering here on the property so it's going to be interesting but what I was just thinking of was that um I can't speak to my dad about bitcoin really um a bit like I don't know maybe a parent can't really talk to their children about some things like there's some things that the child just needs to see happen or needs to hear from someone else and then it's like Oh yeah, yeah, that that really that guy was really inspiring or that guy really made sense or whatever it is. Um so I'm just hoping that some of these bitcoiners that come along um may even be able to talk to my dad in a way that makes him realize what bitcoin is. I, I have no idea, but yeah, we we definitely learn from a global community now. Like it's not just our parents who are our mentors it's it's really the community we grow up in in a way and and that's the beauty of bitcoin now it's it's truly opening all that stuff up in such a way it's just phenomenal yeah well for sure roger so the changing tracks here a little bit you had an interesting incident happen to you I don't know if you want to talk about that recently, <laughs> where you after you finished with uh, adopting Bitcoin in El Salvador, you were on your way back yeah. to the States. But as we can see, you're not in the States or as, as you as you just alluded to, you're in Australia. So what happened? What happened there? Yeah. Oh, man. So, I mean, I'd been asking for a bit of uh, a bit of how do I put this? Like the US government had been tracking me for a while as to why I was going to Bitcoin conferences and why I'd be performing at them and, you know, why I've got this bag full of cacao and cacao butter and all, all these things, you know. So I I definitely, I'm still very much on their radar. Um, and uh, basically they told me, look, man, you know, you, you can't come to the States um as a performer of any kind right you need a special visa for that and i was sort of maintaining well yeah i am performing at these conferences but i'm not actually getting paid for any of it so technically it's legal right like it's not illegal to come and be a, at a bitcoin conference and do bitcoin things and play music and make chocolate and as long as I'm not getting paid for it, it's fine, right? 
So technically it's legal, but this last time, so I was transiting, I was heading back to Australia and I had to go through, um, I had to go through, it's actually, it's just south of LA, a place called Ontario or on, I think it's, anyway, I keep thinking that was in Canada, but anyway, there's a place south of LA. Anyway, I was going to transit through there and then transit through Honolulu. So I'd actually have to transit through the States a couple of times before I could get back to Australia. Anyway, they stopped me um, where I landed, which was in Ontario. And they were like, look, man, we know you've been performing in the States again. And, uh, you know, I was in where I was in Pacific and then I went to San Francisco. Then I went to Halloween in Charlotte and they, they had all this on record and they were like, well, okay, man, you've been to these conferences, you've been making your chocolate or playing your music. And, uh, clearly these conferences have been charging people money for it. Right. So whether you've been paid or not is irrelevant now. Like we get, we're canceling your visa. And uh, we're going to deport you back to San Salvador. Anyway, I thought, well, yeah, okay, no worries. Like, I, I actually, I have to get a work visa anyway. So I don't mind. I really, I don't mind. They put me in handcuffs, threw me in the back of a paddy wagon, drove me an hour to LAX, they shoved me into this detention center, right? They basically locked me up in this detention center um, for two days. They took away my laptop, my phone. I had no connection to the outside world for two days. And they, they, and I'm, I'm asking the officer, like, what, what's the story? Like, I've got hotels booked. I've got like, I've just spent like nearly three grand on a ticket back to Australia. So I lose, I lose all this. Uh, yeah. All, all of these travel arrangements, I just, I completely, they just all get canceled. Uh, and for two days, I'm just stuck in this room, um, you know, with, you know, Twinkies and crisps, like literally like, I'm glad I was able to fast because if I was going to eat that stuff, I'd just get sick basically. Um, anyway, after two days, they, um, they said, okay, uh, we're going to get you to, um, swear an oath. You're going to have to take, have an interview to get you. Yeah. You have to basically, you know, you get all these questions. You, you're told, look, um, we're canceling your visa. Uh, get your fingerprints taken um, and yeah, your visa gets cancelled. You get, and I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to get sent to Australia, right? Because that's where I was transiting to. <laughs> and they were like, no, mate, you're going back to El Salvador and you have to, uh, yeah, you have to make your way from there. So that was a bit unfortunate, I guess. I, 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 I mean, look, I, I actually had fun. Like, I was just sort of pacing up and down the detention center, just talking to myself. And um, I'm pretty good in, in small spaces now because I've, I've lived in a van for a couple of years and I lived in London, in a shoebox in London for a while as well. So <laughs> it was fun, man. It was a fun experience, but um, that, yeah, the Roger, US okay, government... Uh, okay. Just going to stop you there. I, I, I mean, I've been yeah. this. This is horrifying, by the way. It's absolutely horrifying that they could do this to you. I, do you I have mean, any recall? I mean, it, I mean in, this is insane. It's true. Yeah, there was a there was a German guy in there who um, he said literally, "This is actually against the Geneva Convention. This is actually illegal to do this to somebody." Um, and you wouldn't be allowed to do it in Europe. He said, this is just like, we're, we're literally being treated right, like refugees. And we, we've got, you know, we've got legal passports and, and they're just treating us like stateless refugees, you know? 
it was it was really weird i have to say um i don't know really why i'm so desperate to to go to the states still but uh, anyway i guess i i just feel like there's a lot of bitcoiners there and i just feel like it's great to hang out with you guys and and i don't know if it's just a a legal thing then it's no big deal um I feel like this stuff is slowly becoming irrelevant to Bitcoiners anyway. It, that's probably true, but I mean, this is this is kind of wild that they would do something like this to you, Roger. I mean, did you take this up with the Australian government when you got back? I mean, there's got to be some consequences to what, to me, sounds like a gross violation of of your human rights for two days. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, they said, look, I, I was traveling on my British passport at the time, and they said, look, do you do you want to speak to the British Council about this, or uh, you know, is there anything you want? And, and I thought, well, I mean, uh, it's all, you know, it's it's all pretty well regulated, I would say, in terms of like these are the laws that they have for this kind of situation and they can pretty much, you know, do and say as they please. I feel like I, I just, um, you know, man, it's the sly roundabout way that that's, that's the only way we can really, I mean, there probably are some things that I could ask for legitimately and say, well, look, is there any compensation on, I can be granted here, but I mean, I figured when they want to throw the book at you, they just, they do whatever they like and there's no real recourse, but yeah, I haven't explored it though. Well, kudos to you, my friend, for, you know, taking it so positively, right? And not letting uh, that get you down. Uh, so I, you did say you're coming back to Nashville. <laughs> Have you looked into what your options are? Yeah. Would you need to get a work visa or uh, what, what's that going to look like? Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's not too hard for Australians to get a work visa. So, and I had no idea because I was always traveling on my UK visa. Um, but yeah, as long as I can get a, an, LL, uh, an LLC, um, limited liability company to sponsor me, um, yeah, I can get a work visa. So I think that's what I'm going to aim to do, man. Um, doesn't look like it's expensive or too hard. So it might take a little bit of time, but hopefully I can do it before July next year. So yeah, you know, I'll give it a crack. <laughs> well, I still haven't been I, in New I... York, man. So I want to come. Yeah. You should mate. You should, yeah. uh, uh, you know, yeah. I hope I hope it works out. Uh, I'd love to have you back in the states, but I'm sure I'll see you elsewhere mm -hmm. before then. I know there's. Uh, what's your next conference, Roger? Um, <clears throat> well, hopefully, I'm going to get this bush bash set up here. Um, there's um, uh, what's it? Uh, Madeira, Madeira. Hopefully. I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, Bitcoin Atlantis. Um, then there's Bitcoin Alive here in Australia. Uh, oh, there's um, there's a bush bash here in Melbourne as well. Um, Beechworth. Uh, there's the halving party, El Salvador. Uh, Bitblock Boom. Uh, halving yeah. party as well. Hopefully they don't collide, but yeah, El Salvador. Uh, the El Salvador having party should be fun, yeah. Yeah, I think the El Salvador one is in early April. Bitblock Boom is around the 10th or 11th. I'm, so I'm going to miss the El Salvador one. I'll be at Bitblock Boom uh, and then at the mm -hmm. Pol the Euro having party in Poland. I think that's probably the one that's going to be closest to the oh, halving. Yeah. You okay. should come to that one. Okay. It's a film festival. That's a, Yeah. I was speaking to Tomas about that, actually. He said, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have you. Yeah, that, that would be great. That would be really great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I'm thinking of going um, 
I'm thinking of going to Europe for for a few UK conferences as well. So yeah, definitely. All right, man. Well, look, yeah. Roger, I appreciate you taking the time. This is a fun conversation. Once again, horrifying. Yeah. I didn't realize how bad it was. I thought it was a little skirmish and then you were off on your way back to Australia, but uh, I didn't realize how yeah. bad it was. And really big kudos to you for keeping your chin up and taking it so positively. No, thanks, man. Yeah, no, no, it's it's all about having that bright orange light as the goal, as the focus, you know. So I think we all do it as Bitcoiners. There's nothing that's going to sort of stop us now, really. That's, <laughs> I think there's a song in that. There's a, yeah, there already is a song called that. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right, Roger. Take care, my friend. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right, man. All right. No worries, Abby. Yeah, yeah. See you soon.